When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No. I mean, I need a dumpster. (sighs) Well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental. Long Island, New York, 631-900-DUMP. And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB. gentlemen we are back with episode number three of the original g-man and hip-hop presents the g-spot baby so today we have a special guest on his name is chester a whitmore and he's an authority figure in dance and choreography and i'm just going to read a quick bio on chester and then i'm gonna have g-man take over the conversation so chester whitmore All right, he's a dancer, a band leader, a teacher, a choreographer, a director, historian. Whitmore has been dancing professionally since 1974. He was mentored by MGM dancer and choreographer Bayard Nicholas and the Nicholas Brothers and studied with famed performers John Bubbles, Leonard Reed, and Clarence Laundrie. He and his dance company, Black Ballet Jazz, have performed with Lionel Hampton Orchestra, the Duke Ellington Orchestra, orchestra band under the direction of Mercer Ellington, the Count Basie Orchestra Band, and Miles Davis. In addition, his choreography can be seen in music videos for Madonna Vogue, Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal, assistant choreographer for Michael Jackson's Thriller, and many, many more. Most recently, he has choreographed and appeared on screen in the Oscar-winning film La La Land, and he assistant choreographed with the famous movies, cult classic iconic films, Breaking One and Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Chester Whitmore. 
Hello, hello. Hello, hello. What's going on? Hey, my man, my man, how you doing? Hey, I'm blessed, man. It's great to thank you for being on here. I, I think you oh, made yeah. it say I present to you G Man for the G spot, and then I will But let me tell you something. First of all, let me tell you that it's such a pleasure to have you on here. And I've been I've been reading over a lot of your stuff, and, and it's very impressive, man. I thought I had a bunch of accolades, man. It's like it's like you done so much that I that you you must have been you must have been back at the Jesus time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know that the, the internet says um, the guy asked me how old is he, and the internet said, "Well, I think he's 138." <laughs> I, said, I said, "I said no." What guy said, "Well, how long you been doing it?" I said, "Well, it depends on what you're saying uh, about me. Are you looking for Chester Whitmore, the artist, the animator, the filmmaker, the dancer?" The actor, the stuntman, the so I done a, a, a brief history. So they were they, all they did is added up the the, the clearance of each um, accolades I'd done, and it shows I put together. And they added, he must be 138. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but let me tell you something though. You know, and as as an entertainer myself, you know, man, it's it's great when you get a, a accomplished entertainer. And and what even gets me is that. You know, some of the best entertainers are not the ones you see all over the TV, all over the place. Those, most of the best ones are the behind the scenes and are doing things to help other people. You know, they're serving the kingdom and help building the kingdom as opposed to just being the star of the kingdom, which we know that God is the star of the kingdom. So, but, you know, the fact that you did stuff with Count Basie, you know, I want to touch on a little bit of that the stuff. That was fun. That was yeah. That was fun, boy. Let, 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 let's talk a, a little I, bit I, about that, and and then we then we're gonna also we're gonna talk on uh, how you went from doing that to uh, the 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 ballet stuff, with, uh, then with Mr. Hampton. So let's let's talk. Let's touch bases on the Count Basie thing because that people want to know about that. Well, well, as you know, Count Count Basie was like. Uh, one of them, to me, one of the most, they call them, in them days, call it territorial bands. Territorial bands, man, they could take a riff or like we do and today, we call it take a beat or a sample beat. They would take riffs and they would come out and grab these geniuses out of a 16-piece orchestra. They could take a music and look at it and transpose it that quick. And they say, oh, I can hear a riff. That's a really good groove and, and rip it. And they would... They call it territorial band because they could take a groove and go. Basie was the master of, they called it the great American rhythm section. So no matter his rhythm section, bass, piano, drums, guitar, they can hold any tempo. Uh, if you go from his slow one, like that, to, and they would dance that. And, and those many beats, they can study it without a metrodome. If you give them a rhythm, they will hold that tempo. That's why they were rated the great American rhythm section at that time. And I used to listen to him when I was a kid. I said, I would never imagine a, a medium. You know, I heard the songs like One O'Clock Jump, April in Paris, Jumping at the Woodside, and great vocalists. And I said, man, this, this, this band, I mean, he puts the, the terror and the funk in, into it and, and, and make it good. Now, not like uh, Ellington. Ellington is, though, well, he's, from, I call him the maestro. Ellington is more symphonic, but he can swing. He can swing. 
don't mean a thing if you ain't got that swing. Right. And so, um, uh, but Basie was like, basically, um, I would say, um, yeah, like I said, got the funk. He he got those riffs to put into a song. And he could take a, a song you don't like and make it swing. And I got a chance to meet him through one of my instructors named Roger Hamilton Spots. He was a composer with Dizzy Gillespie at the time. And he's working with the Platters. And I was doing choreography. And he saw me working with the dancers and creating the riffs off the songs. And he said, you know what, you got a lot of music in your head. You need to learn how to do basic com composition and composing. I hung out with him and I became his copyist, meaning taking all the instrumentation I had to write before computers came out. I had to hand write the, the sheet music and everything else. Right. So I learned did that for two years and learned, watch the harmonies in the sax section and hear it. He said, now I want you to put what you have in your head on that paper. And I had to figure it out. So I hear not only beats, but I hear rhythm, shades and stuff what chords to use to make people feel happy with chords to me. And that later on came in handy when I did musical scores for motion pictures. I did a lot of uh, action and uh, uh, dramatic movies and uh, scores for that. So then Basie, he introduced me to Count Basie. And that was <laughs> a dream. And I was drumming, you know, I was playing drums. And he said, hey, you want to meet Basie? Yeah, yeah, my friend Frank Foster works with him. And he, took me up there and Gracie had this thing. He said, I heard young blood, you, you play drums. I said, yeah. He said, do you read? I said, yes, sir. Want to play a couple of numbers with the band? I said, what? My eyes said, boom. Uh, <laughs> I, I said, me play with Basie? God, dog. And I said, man, I mean, I got to hold this tempo. Then hold, hold that groove. He said, give him the book. And I chose three songs in the book and he let me play Avenue C, Little Darling, Splanky and stuff like that. And he, I said, uh, Mr. Basie, um, do you want me to play it, the 1938 version of Joe Jones, or you want me to 1953, Sonny Payne? He looked at me like, he said, you studied all of them? I said, heck yeah, those are my favorite cats. <laughs> he said, no, just play the way you're going to play it. But mm -hmm. one thing I want you to do is to swing it. Because once you're in the driver's seat, you got to drive that band. Because the drummer, a lot of drummers don't re realize this. They just play for the beat. You got to realize you're playing for the beat, the drive, and volume. If you play loud, the horns got to play loud. Everybody got to play loud. If I drop down low to hear something important in the band, to keep the audience quiet of the rest, rest of the band, the band's going to have to play low in order to hear that tempo. So those are little tricks I had to learn that the... Uh, uh, it's a little intricate stuff to, to make things move. I don't care if it, I don't care if it's classical. Uh, I don't care if it's funk, house. You learn those things, and that's the, the master of sound and, and musicians. So you learn how to uh, uh, estimate with the band. You know, I used to listen to. Um, right now, I'm working with uh, what's the gentleman? Uh, have you heard Al McKimmick? Yeah, Al McKimmick. Well, Al McKimmick is the main man who wrote were Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. You, and we heard of all the Brit songs Hurst Wind and Fire did, all those horn sacks. You know, and I said, my God, this guy is it. And I get a call and he said, would you open up for my show? So I'm going to bring my orchestra. That will be in October. Uh, Al McKibbitt's orchestra will be playing. Uh, they, they're closing it out with Chaka Khan and we're going to have Stevie. But I'm going to be opening it up because I'm going to be showing the refuge of how dance relationship from that era to 
funk and hip hop stuff. You know, <laughs> so, you know, the, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, finish, finish your thought, finish your thought. You, I thought, because uh, uh, you know, that's like I said, Basie was one of a was a highlight playing with him, and it, it gave me uh, um, a great insight of earside. And then later on, I played with Ellington, now not Duke, his son Mercer. I would have mm -hmm. loved to play with Duke. And then I learned a lot from. Mercer with his dad. And then, and then after that, some of the great white bands I played with Les Brown Orchestra. I worked at, and oh, in the great Lionel Hampton, I was on tour with him for six months. And that talking about not only pl not playing, but dancing with my company. And that was an experience. You know, you, you talk about how to keep your ear open and if you have to dance. Um, it was a great thing about learning improv. You know, you have to be not only to read the music or you know, or dance the choreography, you got to know bars and have a quick ear for improv if I'm dancing, because Lino will change up on you in a minute. Yeah, he's the king of. Yes, and you have to. Uh, he he was the king of stomp. He was this king of stomp music rhythm that that. You know, you know how you go to a house party and the yeah. whole house be jumping. Yeah. <laughs> that type of yeah, 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 yeah. Like that, and he can't. And he was that type of group. And if I say, uh, like we were in a circle, we're ciphering or we, of hip hop, and we're like we're doing something. I said, okay, I said, give me eight bars, or give me sixteen bars. Your your ear got to dissect it. And when I, that person, he or she, is finished, I'm jumping in. You know, yeah. and I got to jump. You know how and when you work with a live orchestra, it's different energy. You can do that. But if Sam say, hey, gee, man, you got the saxophone part. You just got it. You, you're jamming. And the sax player is blowing this thing and you just kick, you're killing it, problem. You're doing it. Bam, bam. And you know, okay, I'm supposed to be doing eight bars. So I'm going to get in there, kick my butt and jam it. And then next trumpet comes in another group. That's it. And that saxophone starts feeling good. <laughs> he don't get off the stage. Yeah, you that, means you got, <laughs> that means you can, you got to stay off. You got to stay on there. And he said, wait a minute. Where's he going to start? I said, wait, I finished the choreography. Then that's when your other kids yeah, got to kick in. Yep. Yeah, boom. And you got you to gotta, you gotta go in there. So and every night was different like that. Sometimes he might do 16 bars. I might be up there for two minutes. And my brain is going, Lord, you better be, you start getting creative after a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, it's amazing to listen to the stories because, you know, and I used to sit back when I was younger and I'd watch the reruns of the Count Basies and, and all the old orchestras. And, and, and I actually, on some of the music that I use, I use timeless, I, I, I make timeless music. And if you listen to some yes, of the stuff that I'm on, you hear the 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 the, the horn hits, riffs, and hits, and and see, I, I may have to bring you on to do some choreography and do some things because I'm I'm now I'm futuristic because I think on the other end of eternity, which is one of the reasons why I got my doctorate in theology of music. You understand what I'm saying? Because I understand mm -hmm. how music and the, and, the, and the waves and, and the, the, the sounds and different things, how to tax the mind and the body and the soul and the spirit. You know what I mean? So that's why, you know, somebody like yourself, I'm so glad that Tim has brought you on here because we was talking about, as, like, I developed new artists and stuff like that. But this is a part that the artists don't get. See, the knowledge, the wisdom, the understanding that you're dropping, a lot of them just don't get it. They don't get it. And to have your wisdom, 
to back up some of the stuff that I, that I, that I teach and that I talk about during the development, that's powerhouse stuff. This is powerhouse stuff. You, you can't write the stuff that we're talking about that we understand and the fact that, you know, I study psychology as well, that, that you can't teach this. You can't understand this. You can't unless you have a gift, like you have a gift because the ingenuity is not taught. That's a, that's a learned behavior. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm, you're so, right. I'm you're... so proud. It was, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was at the college and they were doing a thing. And I said, okay, why, why are we teaching these kids this? If they're going to go out and try to get a job and they don't know how to, to and dissect this real quick. Or they don't, they don't hear or understand. One guy said, well, don't you think we're doing like that? I, I was, when we did a choreography class, I had, we had a choreography class and I had a like, lot of choreographer and there were a lot of great choreographers out there today i mean I, I i might take my hat off to them the one thing they don't understand that some of them work diff a little bit differently um i work from a a, a standpoint different because i can't guys the guy said well, you're old school i said yeah i'm old school but i don't need certain things that you guys might need like we had an assignment and we was working we had the chorus line here and this hip-hop doing it, and i got the song and I said, and they gave us all, each choreographer, I had about three numbers, and I said, I listened to it, I just knew. I said, okay, I got it. I said, you have the work done to buy tomorrow morning. They looked at me like, don't you going to take a week? And one guy said, I'll take a week to do it. Another guy take a week. <laughs> no, they, I said, um, no, all I need to know, what, tell me your concept, tell me your story. What are you looking for, main points? I'll bring back to the table my highlight and see if you like it, yay or nay. No, but as far as breaking the music down, I did it in 15 minutes. I heard it for three or four times and I got it. Then the guy said, yeah, and he said, how did you, how did you do that? Well, you know, when I was with, okay, one of the main guys I worked with learning choreography was Leonard Reed. Now, Leonard Reed is a, a phenomenal, uh, uh, he was uh a promoter of, and this is from the 20s, 30s, and 40s, on the TOBA circuit. TOBA means Toby, meaning Theater of Black Artists Association. And that was a thing that went out from the 1900s all the way through, all the way, it ended around like 58, you know, but it's been around. Then later on, they call it the Chitlin circuit. And then after that, in the late 50s, 60s, they call it the Black Belt circuit. And we had to come in and create a dance and listen to it. We all had codes, Afro-American choreographers had codes because we didn't have no dance studio. We didn't have nothing to work out our stuff. We have to do it. So your creativity has to come in as a choreographer to drop in it. You know, certain steps like um, the ballet terms, they'll go pirouette, they would do interval. I said, okay, well, what about interlock? X blocks, X, uh, X turns, X locks and stuff. And um, I did, I, even in my in my uh, stunt work, I do that in the martial arts thing too, people didn't understand. I said, you gotta, you gotta learn where your core is. Now, a lot of the dancers do it naturally, but they don't know how to, uh, if I say set, uh, set a move and have something really good, they forget it and I can't film it again. I said, so you have to learn both. Keep the improv, but know what you're doing. And like that, I say, uh, uh, okay, what, what's the typical thing that everybody says? 
kickball chain. That's a that's a that's a um, com uh, ballet composition. Okay, but that comes from a vernacular. Did you know the original was called Run Run Kickball Chain or a military half break from the Civil War, the Buffalo Soldiers? So if I did something like, um, let me see something like this. Can you see in the back? Yeah, I mm -hmm. see. This is my studio, a little studio. I'm at the famous Barbara Morrison studio, three-time Grammy Awards. I'm at her theater. This is where we're at. And she passed away, but uh, she was queen of the blues. If I did something like, um, can't tell me, you tell my heart, see my whole body? Yeah, we got you. Okay, okay. In ballet terms, it's just still. I don't know why I got this thing. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. We got to give you, a, we got to give you a, a, a formal introduction, ladies oh. and gentlemen. We got one of the legends. That of choreography and dance in the house, Mr. Chester Whitmore. He's gonna get. He's gonna show you some stuff that you can only see here. Go ahead, take it away, Chester. Okay. Then let me know if you got the whole body, you guys. Can you see? Yep. Okay. I got you. Ballet chain, kickball chain, kickball chain. Okay. Like I'm not knocking that stuff, but if you're gonna get it, you Oh, you move into it. See, your foot, you got to run, run, and then do the kickball chain. If I do it sideways, kickball chain, kickball chain. But if I'm doing peeking, you know, move into it. And those are men, believe it, that's military uh, half breaks come from the Buffalo Soldier. Mm. Now, Remember what I was talking about, the TOBA circuit? The TOBA Theater of Black Artists? Yes. Mm -hmm. That was called the break. If I go, the boom, everybody hit. That was the TOB break. Wow. Okay? Shop it up, bop, 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 Put them both together because in the Civil War and also in World War II, the black soldiers were always on the front line. <laughs> they were in the front line. And so who could, who's going to get killed first? <laughs> okay. But, but if you learn how to do the TLBA circuit, if you come in with your rifle, right? <laughs> they duck, and everybody else behind them got shot. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know the funny thing is, when you was up there and you was dancing, you know, I, you know, you remember Fred Astaire? I know, you, I know, you know about Fred Astaire. Oh yes, yeah, of course. Now you know, like I, I, I'm the type that I like. I think on the other end of eternity, I told you that. And uh, I, yes. I was, I would always like as a, as a, when I was, when I was, cause I'm like, you know that I'm a man that's, that named this hip hop culture. When I go back oh, yeah. as a child doing this hip hop thing, I used to make myself an instrument cause I could rhyme on any instrument in, in, in any beat. So that, so, as, yes. and most people can't do that as, as, as rappers and uh, as hip hop mm -hmm. artists. Now I used to use Fred Astaire cause you know, back Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire and Shirley Temple, you know, they used to have yes. these shows that came on and then, you know, Fred Astaire would go up, his hands were so big, so he'd always keep them folded. 
and, and like he'd keep his hands like this almost, right? So he right. he'd go up and down stairs and he'll go like da 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 but da 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 but da 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 so I watched that I got so intrigued by that that I literally I literally just I'm telling you I I I wrote a song and I used his dance steps as my lyrics like right right because I was using I was using the alias as no as as the Midwest monster I was using MC Friction so for MC so short for MC Friction they used to call me Frick Frick Frat right. So yeah, I literally wrote a song and the song lyrics went kind of like, <laughs> well, it's the Frick Frack from way back. My skills fat and all that plus the tax. You better ask somebody if you see somebody because I'll be heating up a jam like a bottle of Bacardi. So it was like the da 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 that was a pop parade rap. You put the stop time in the middle of it. You said, now you see how you use those words and how your body did like this? Yeah. You see how your body did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's that groove. You said, you, you broke out. You said, you said. Yes, yes. That's just what that that's just work. what he did. That's just what Fred Astaire would do up and down the steps. The same thing. <laughs> that was your. That's your. That's your trip. That's just. I just put your. Yes, that's it. That's it. Because I was saying the rhymes while you was doing that, and it fit perfect. So, it, so you know, like, and that's why. That's why I say about having these gifts. See now, I now you just gave me confirmation that that a higher power is was is dealing with me still and and gr helping me grow. And, and help build the kingdom. Yeah. That's why, I, you know, like yeah. together, and I, I, my manager, Tim, thank you so much, Tim, for bringing him on here. And, and Tim is going to make sure that me and you link together because I see a connection there. You know what I mean? One million percent. You got me developing well, you definitely, and, you, you definitely got come in and see some of this stuff and come to the lectures I have because I do a whole series of lectures and that bring on a lot of the old great masters that are still alive right now. What city and are you in? Up. What city are you in? I'm, I'm in Los Angeles. You're in LA. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Now, you know, you know, let me give you the backstory. Fred Astaire started, let me tell you how he started dancing. Fred was originally a ballroom and ballet dancer. Okay. Now, when he grew up, the real star of the family was his sister, Estelle. Estelle and him. And they would go around and they would do these vaudeville circuits with Zigville Follies and stuff like that. The old movies, black and white movies you saw him in were based off of the place. Now, the real star in the family was his sister, but she got married to this English guy and she made enough money and just left Fred Astaire by himself. So he's by himself. What do I do? So he wanted to proceed and he loved the vaudeville and he looked at the tap dancing. She said, you like tapping really bad. He said, I really want to learn that. She said, I'm going to show you how to tap. She had a friend. Now, guess who the friend was? Ready? The friend that taught him how to dance was three people. The first main person was, remember these names. It was John Bubbles. Mm -hmm. John Bubbles was the father of rhythm dance. 
Okay. Anything like you said, Savion Glover and them doing right now, John Bubbles created all that rhythm stuff in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. He watched them. It was Bill Robinson, but the main man that got MGM Studio on all the stuff, all the dancers like Ann Miller and stuff, was Willie Colvin. Remember that name. Willie Colvin. They had a group called the Four Colvins, and he taught Eleanor Powell. He taught all the white dancers that were great. And then he was so popular, they built him a studio on the lot. So I'm just giving you inside information. What yeah, about but I also. What about Scatman Carlos? Oh, man, me and Scatman Carlos used to hang out. And it, I used to have, we used to have the comedy club in the, in the late 60s and 70s that was Red, Red's Enterprises. Red Fox had it, Red his Fox, own enterprise. Yeah. Uh huh. And that was uh, when we had Sanford and Son and everything. He invested in a whole comedy. Everybody was there. Uh, Paul Mooney was there, um, mm. Bill Cosby was there. Uh, Steve Martin was there, uh, uh, John Belushi, <laughs> mm -hmm. all the, all the, uh, you name it, all the best writers for uh, Black humor. Uh, Norma Miller, my teacher, she was there, you know, and she wrote the book of the history of, of uh, Encyclopedia of Black Humor. That's what it's named. Okay, okay. You know, because, you know, yeah. you know as an entertainer, See, you, see, it's a lot of a lot of artists don't understand. As an entertainer, you have to be diverse and multitask, multifaceted. Oh, see, God, like, yes. like, like, like when I'm hosting or emceeing a, a show, I, I I do voices. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Uh, I do Barry White. I do Bernie Mac. I do Michael Jackson. I do. <laughs> you know, I, I do. You see, and and these are gifts. I, I've never studied none of these things, but these are natural <laughs> gifts. So, uh, hey, so, hey, so, hey, so. Hey, Chill, Chill, we got to have him on. I got to get him on. Uh, what are my comedies they going to say? And ladies and gentlemen, now, right now, we have the one only. Bernie Mac, will you come in here right quick? Bernie Mac, what do you say? Go ahead. You, go, you, you know, Mac, my takeaway my take from this is to know the history of the business that you're in and know the business behind the business. So I know, like, Chester, you, for example, man, I know you were probably interested in dance and choreography at a really early age. But the chance meeting you had with the Nicholas brothers is what ultimately steered you to what you do today. So yeah. for the people that yeah. don't know the Nicholas brothers and don't may not know of like the original Cotton Club, explain oh, to the audience yeah. like who the Nicholas brothers were and also what the Cotton Club was. Oh, my God. Well, the Cotton Club was a one of the various black a club, nightclub that was built in 20, 1924. Really, it was called a, a French name at first. It was quite, it was really made to embezzle liquor, numbers, rackets, <laughs> everything else. But um, there's one, we could, the, out of the gangsters, you may say, but one gangster was very enterprising. He was into his thing, but he was also into entertainment, and he loved entertainment. And, and they got to figure out a way how to get the, the money, money, you know, you know, moved around from the cops and stuff. So the guys, I got an idea, let's make an all black club. In them days, it was all black club. No, it was a club that was painting all black performers within there. No blacks were allowed, white entertainers, white audiences were, were allowed. The best in the world of entertainers would, would come uh, at the uh, 
of the Cotton Club. They did production values and it was incredible. Chorus girls, the great bands. And, and this lasted all the way to the late forties. Uh, when you talk about doing the Harlem Renaissance period of the time in Harlem, when I say Harlem Renaissance, it, it's, it's mainly New York, but it has spread it across Chicago, even Los Angeles. So when I, when I say Harlem Renaissance, I, I mean a period. Mm -hmm. But in New, New York, your three major clubs would have been the Cotton Club, the Apollo Theater, and the Savoy Ballroom. Uh, now, let me break that into se session. All of them had entertainment industry, but if you're looking for the best production value of all singing, dancing, everything, go to the Cotton Club. Everybody came out of the Cotton Club. Best entertainers go to the Apollo Theater. You gotta be the, you gotta best you gotta be best comedian comedians best singers best bands and stuff go to the Apollo best dancers go to the Savoy Savoy was the first integrated ballroom in the world size of a, a city block and I mean thousands of people in there black and whites were coming there but it was mainly black but that's where the, the soul of the, a lot of the dancers came out of, of like the Freshie and the Lindy Hop, Charleston, Balboa, Shag, Mambo, Rumba. Then we had other ballrooms too. But in a place like that, it jumped every night. I mean, listen, every night. You had a house band, the, the fabulous Chick Webb band, and it's the King of uh, uh, Swing Kings. Those guys were monsters. They were just you know, and so that these I'm just giving you ideas. And we got uh, six minutes. We got, we got about six minutes left on here. And mm -hmm. uh, okay, a story about the Apollo there. You know, I, of course, I, I did the Apollo. I played the Apollo, and uh, mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you a story about it. You know, I I, I knew I, I I wasn't adverse to to the to the to some things. The log, you know, the log, the famous log, right now. The, the first time I touched the log, I, I literally was there with Rob Bates. We was doing It Takes Two, Joy and Pain, performing at the Apollo. And I and the log was, wasn't even, it was like sitting in the back of the curtain, but on the side of the curtain. And they was like, where G-Man at? They looking for G-Man. I'm sitting there having a conversation with the log. I'm like, you know, you were beautiful. You the most touched thing that I've ever seen in my because life. Because you know, you know, you knew so many people that went by that log. And touched that you log. Everybody <laughs> touched that log. Yes. Now, see, yes. you are smart. And see, the average entertainer or people would not know that. They no. won't know that. Now, let's say that. Mm -hmm. Even today, some people are just now uh, touching, you know, on it. That's what, hey, man. The, the, you you were smart, and then it won't until later on. I said, you know, I was over there. G man was over there touching that log. I should have been over there touching that yeah, log. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know? so, but but Tim, we only got a few more minutes, and and I, I'm so I'm like I'm like I'm like a a kid in a candy store. I'm I'm being educated mm -hmm. on a level. Oh down. wait wait wait. Let me let me let me finish off what Tim real said. The guys at the Nicholas Brothers, they came from out of the Cotton Club and stuff. And I have I was fortunate to meet them here in Los Angeles. One of them, Bayard, the oldest one, was the one that taught me. And uh, and I met him by, he had a car, uh, I was changing his car tire. Nobody would help him. And I rode, rode on my bike and helped him. And that's when he saw my pair of tap shoes on my bike. And he said, you're a dancer. He said, you want to learn how to dance? I said, yes. And um, we, are, we had a friendship. But no, I did not know who he was. At that time, I did not know anything about him. I was with him for two years. And them days... 
black films were not, not one on television. And late at night, I saw a great movie called Stormy Weather. Write that down. 1943. Stormy Weather is the, the movie that got inspired me to dance. And the two guys that, you have, well, you know, the Nicholas acrobatics is yeah. split down steps. And I'm going like, you know, you got to imagine, I've never seen black people on TV in, uh, in a musical. We've seen Fred Astaire and everything, but we've never seen that. But, mm -hmm. and then well, gonna come to find out that was one of the Nicholas Brothers that got, and that's how he got me started. And then he started taking me around. I, I got a chance to visit a lot of the great, I was like the throw around kid. I was with him for two years. I left him, Clarence Landry, worked with Duke Ellington, left him, uh, Argelia Thompson, King of the Soft Shoe. And, and he taught me my acrobatics. That's been Mosby, the group that caught, started the pecking. Yeah, 1934. They were the first group, the Afro-American group that went to China, represented the jazz in China. I, from there, I left there, I worked with Catherine Dunham, I did Pearl, Pearl Primus. I worked with a lot of, I, I done almost anybody from Cornelius? Have you ever worked with the Cornelius family? Cornelius family? Were the acrobatics or what? No, Cornelius, uh, the singing singing group, African American family singers. Uh, no, I heard Cornelius. I heard of them, but I never got a chance to work with them. I would have loved to. Well, we, got, we, got, we got we got like two minutes here, and uh, I want to do a closing thing here, and uh, I want to have you back. I definitely want to have <clears> you back. I'm gonna have Tim, you know, uh, management get in touch with you. And uh, we're we going to get in touch because I, I got a feeling that Tim is going to make sure that we link up because I see we, we got greatness that can get together and make something real great happen. You know what I mean? And, okay. Uh, It'll be fun. And, and let me note that they know this Sunday, this Sunday, the night after tomorrow, uh, one of my junior groups, uh, groups uh, is going to be performing. It's called Footprints, A Step in Time. Hey, Captain. Hey, what am I, how you doing, Captain? Yeah. It's called Footprints of Step at the African uh, Museum of Art. Starts at around, we're going to be live cast. My arc of my small band will be there, Seven Piece Jazz. And it's a, uh, they do all historical jazz dance, rhythm and blues. That is, it's, it's going to be a crazy show. I'll be there. Is that in California? Yes. In, uh, yeah, hit us, it with, hit, us with, hit us with the address because we got like a minute and we got to close out. Here. I will give you the head address and it's on live cast. You can broadcast it. You can see it live. We'll be broadcasting and everything. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank uh, Mr. Chester Whitmore for coming on here. He's an encyclopedia of knowledge of entertainment. Uh, uh, hopefully God is going to bless us where we can work together. We want to thank uh, Universal Talent Bookings for coming on and co-hosting the show with me, Mr. Tim Beals. And uh, we are so excited to, to have y'all here. Welcome to the original G-Man of hip-hop, the G-Spot. And this is season, uh, episode three. We're getting to have episode four where we have Mr. Rob Kennedy on there. And it's going to be amazing. We'll see you next time. Same place, same black channel.